And she told me, she said, I've been diagnosed with mild cognitive impairment, which, you know, for situational awareness, that's the the stage before a full-blown Alzheimer's diagnosis, but it's not mild at all. It's basically, Dr. Bredesen considers it full-blown Alzheimer's. Get to the Root of It is a podcast for the curious health seekers hoping to figure out the root causes of symptoms in order to live a happier and healthier life. We look through the lens of functional and integrative medicine, occupational therapy, yoga, health coaching, and environmental wellness in hopes of sharing valuable ideas that may help someone in some way. We will take deep dives into root causes of autoimmunity and all types of dementia and cognitive decline in order to increase our understanding so that we can reduce our risk and optimize health for ourselves and our loved ones. This podcast is for educational purposes only and is not a substitute for medical care. We recommend speaking to your own practitioner with any medical questions or health concerns. Hello, welcome to Get to the Root of It. I am Laurel Brennan and I am excited to be here today with Jessica Pierce. Welcome, Jessica. Thanks, it's good to be here. So Jessica is a Recode 2.0 and Functional Medicine Certified Health Coach and a Functional Diagnostic diagnostic Nutrition Practitioner. She is passionate about helping men and women design the life of their dreams and achieve the mind and body they want, regardless of age or genetics. So Jessica is on a mission to dispel the false notion that disease and decline are part of normal aging. She empowers her clients to be the architects of their lives rather than helpless genetic bystanders. So instead of me reading the rest of it, let's get to know you from your words. So yeah. you have a very cool um, <laughs> background, I think, in the way you got here. So share your personal story with us. This is definitely not linear. Uh, you know, this is, this is something that I've really started in the last, uh, I guess, five or six years. Um, you know, I spent the first 19 years of my adult life in the Department of Defense. I was a counterterrorism analyst and then later kind of rose through the ranks a bit. But I spent, you know, most of my career, you know, hunting for bad guys or helping our military and intelligence community do that. Uh, so I got to learn, interesting enough, I got to learn from, you know, Navy SEALs and all kinds of other elite humans, uh, which has ultimately been really interesting for me to have had that experience now doing what I'm doing and thinking about how we optimize our performance and our, and our aging. Um, but I really got into the brain health uh, back in 2017 when I was serving overseas as a diplomat in Colombia, the U.S. Embassy in Bogota, and my mom came down to visit. And I knew that my grandparents had been sick for years. They had had Alzheimer's, you know, I think my grandmother about three years, my grandfather going on 10. And I didn't see them very often, uh, just by virtue of being a continent away. But my mom came down and all of a sudden she seemed really different. And I didn't know anything about Alzheimer's then other than that it ran in my family. And the next time maybe six months later, she came down a second time and it was really different. And she told me, she said, I've been diagnosed with mild cognitive impairment, which, you know, for situational awareness, that's the, the stage before a full-blown Alzheimer's diagnosis, but it's not mild at all. It, it's basically, Dr. Bredesen considers it full-blown Alzheimer's. So she was in a panic. She, we've just watched my grandparents deteriorate over years and it's the worst you know i mean as you know it's it's just such a tragic progression uh and she just was not not having it so thankfully mom is a um born contrarian and she started she started googling and eventually found dr bredesen and his work and found one of his colleagues uh mary Kay ross who at the time was in savannah georgia we were living in north carolina or she was and uh she drove, you know, she drove down eight hours to go see her. They took, they did all the tests and, uh, you know, basically said, you've got extreme mold toxicity. 
and we're going, wait, but I thought it was Alzheimer's. It's, you know, and, and as you know, like you're, you're smiling because we all know like yeah. Alzheimer's isn't one thing. Mold toxicity can, it can either be, you know, it, its own factor that causes the brain fog, or it can absolutely destroy those neural networks um, if left alone long enough. So she was incredibly toxic and inflamed. So we started, she, she was completely unable to do all the things that they wanted her to do. So I jumped in and trying to figure out how to help, you know, how can I help her with this diet that they want her to do? She lost, she's tiny and she lost 25 pounds overnight, it seemed, and was just wasting away. Um, so she needed help with the diet and the lifestyle and this whole, this whole approach to, to reversing and preventing that decline. And that's how I got into it. So I, I went on Bredesen's website and I tried to take the training and realized I didn't have any kind of a health background, so I needed to get one. <laughs> so I spent a year at the Functional Medicine Coaching Academy becoming a health coach. Then I went through the Bredesen training, actually did it twice. <laughs> and uh, recently I just took it another step further um, because I really am, my background in the defense department makes me a real lover of actual numbers and data. So I wanted to be able to add that, um, that diagnostic nutrition practitioner element to my work with clients. Yeah, that's a really powerful story. And I, I didn't know all the details of that. Um, though we had a, a whirlwind of a first connection where we were like, just <laughs> couldn't, couldn't get the words out fast enough because we had so yeah. many similarities and so many connections and, I, I love the the last sentence in your bio from intelligence from intelligence analyst analysis to health analysis. Yeah, like your background really does play a, a a strong role in how you look at things um, now. Yeah. Really, it, it does. And yeah. and I have to say, mm -hmm. when I first started doing this, I thought, you know who am I to think that I can do this because I don't have a health background. And it was actually a, <clears throat> excuse me, it was a point of insecurity for a while. Cause I thought, you know, I'm, I'm trying to make a difference in a world that's full of, you know, nurses and PAs and doctors and, you know, nutritionists and dietitians and, you know, what, what business do I have here? And it was a client that actually helped me connect the dots. And she's like, you never stopped being an intelligence analyst. You still are. <laughs> she said, she said, you know, you went from looking at one type of data to another. And it's the information is never complete, just like an intelligence analysis. There's you never have the full story just given to you. You have to figure it out and connect the dots. And I loved that mm -hmm. about my former life. And now I get to do it in a context of a human, you know, a contained environment that is responsive and interactive with its environment and, and you can, can actually give me immediate feedback and it, it's infinitely more fulfilling, believe it or not, because I just love being able to see how people's lives are changing and um, yeah, it's intelligence analysis just with different data sets. Yeah. So cool. So what do you do? What, what is a, a brain health coach? Um, well, it's funny because I started out thinking I'm just going to do cognitive work. And as I'm sure, you know, um, as soon as you start doing that, you realize that's, that's a, that's a legacy that we carry with us from our current medical system, where we go to the neurologist for brain, the cardiologist for heart, you know, the endocrinologist for our hormones. And, uh, and we, you know, the, our system is structured to treat all of these things like they're not all in the same body and they don't connect. Um, but the, the truth is a brain health coach is, is, is a health coach. We create health. We don't treat disease, you know, you know this, but uh, with the things that we do for the brain are also the things that extend you know, health span. They they help people get metabolically healthy, get their gut microbiome healthy, so that all the systems work better. And when all the systems work better, the brain does too. 
Um, and you can, I think that's what I, I really enjoy about it is that, you know, yes, my, you know, my specific interest is helping people lose the brain fog and prevent Alzheimer's. But I, I think we spoke about this before, you know, I have a, of my clients, only one came to me saying, I need help with my brain. The rest said, I want to lose weight or I'm tired of taking, uh, I'm tired of taking all these drugs and I don't want to have open heart surgery. <clears throat> so the the really <clears throat> exciting thing has been that as I've gotten to know my, you know, my clients and my audience, it's, we're all just doing the same thing. We're all doing health creation. And when you, you optimize your systems, the others tend to, to fall in place. Right. These positive so. side effects when I'm working on my brain health. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I also lost 20 pounds. Yeah. And I no longer have IBS. Um, I don't, you know, and, and I'm happier. Right. You know, the, um, the neurotransmitters tend to function a lot better when your microbiome is, is healthy and yeah, you have good energy levels. You know, you take care. I've had clients come to me and say, I'm exhausted. Like I have to, I have to take a nap after breakfast and then another one after lunch. And then, you know, I don't sleep well and, um, you know, I need to lose, I'm, I'm gaining weight. I don't want to do. And it doesn't sound like a brain health question, but it is because when you, you know, when you, when you look at why someone's needing to nap after meals, you know, there's a blood sugar problem. When there's a blood sugar problem, there's a brain energy problem. And you have to, you know, you just peel back the onion and and start kind of working through the channels, the, you know, the clinical um, complaints. And, and, you know, you fix the blood sugar and suddenly energy levels improve and brain fog tends to come down a bit. So it's, right. 100%. It's and what we've learned in our training is that um, I mean, sim by the time symptoms show up for brain fog or cognitive yeah. decline, things have been working for, you know, decades. under the surface for decades, yeah. 20, 30 years. So mm -hmm. if we can, you know, help people when the complaint is just IBS and I, then that, that is exciting because we might help them. What we're doing now is going to help them decades from now. Absolutely. You know, 100%. Maybe, maybe they, they'll never see cognitive yeah. decline, or maybe they'll get it when they're 90 instead of when they're 60. Right. And, right? you know, and I think, I don't know if you saw this, but on Dr. Bredesen's website right now, the new, I think there's an, I'm probably going to screw this up, but like the new age of onset is now according to him in the forties. Yes. Because, you know, we're, we are starting to, well, we're changing what we are considering, you know, warning signs. Right. But, but the fact is that these symptoms are happening earlier and earlier because of the way we're living because of the environment. But it, the, the, the bright side is that, you know, when we start to destigmatize talking about it and acknowledging those symptoms early, it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't mean that we're just stuck and we're going to get dementia earlier and earlier. It just means that now we need, we're paying attention to it sooner. Cause you're right. You know, by the time, by the time my mom was diagnosed with MCI in her, she was 65, you know, she had definitely had this pathology since probably her forties. And she's a, she's a carrier of, you know, genetic risk, you know, the APOE4 gene. Um, as am I. And it, it, you know, when, when we have that risk factor, it, we know we have to get started even sooner, but a lot of people say, and I know we'll, we'll probably get into this, but you know, they don't want to know. They don't want to know their genetic status because everyone's been told there's nothing you can do about it. So why know that you're going to, you know, the, the thought is, you know, I don't want to know because I don't, I just want to enjoy my life. And I don't want to, you know, see this train coming at me. But what we know now is that information is is power, and information uh, gives us the ability to be really intentional about what we're doing earlier in life. And you know, you're a mom. I'm a mom. You know, I I think this happened to my 
mom about the time I became a mom and it became, you know, I think I spent the first year just thinking about my mom. And then it occurred to me, (laughs) you know, this has probably been happening to her since she was my age and it's time for me to pay attention. And so I went and got tested and, you know, I'll test my daughter as soon as, as soon as I can and make sure that we're all on the, the right track to kind of optimize the, our biology from, from an early age. Our stories are so similar and parallel that I'm just a, a little ahead of you. Um, but it's, it's awesome that your mom identified her triggers or at least one of her major triggers with the mold toxicity, right. you know, in early stages. So with my mom, she, she had chronic fatigue syndrome that mm. she got as she was probably, I'm trying to think how old she may have been, um, maybe 40, maybe late 30. Mm. She had a heart infection. She had gum disease. Mm. They go to, they go together. Yeah. They do. Um, and then she recovered from the heart infection, barely, like she was on a heart transplant list for several years. And then they couldn't figure out what was wrong with her. She was extremely fatigued. They told her she was depressed for five years until finally somebody discovered that there is something called chronic fatigue syndrome and this was autoimmune. Mm. Um, she was always reading, trying to, she felt like there was more to learn. She's like, I think I have candida overgrowth. Mm. She always had issues with yeast and candida. She yeah. had a long life of allergies. Um, mm. And it wasn't until I got a diagnosis of multiple sclerosis and went to um, a nutritionist who practiced functional medicine. I changed my diet. I dramatically improved. And she was like, hmm, maybe I should look into this as well. Because she had been thinking, you know, diet could be playing a role in some way. She was eating blueberries a lot because she read blueberries are good for you, you know. Yeah. and but it wasn't until she took away the 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 gluten and the dairy where she didn't have to take a nap after breakfast. Mm, yeah. Um so that was a, a really dramatic play for her. And yeah, our, it's crazy how similar our stories are, but I'm so glad that your your mom has gotten intervention early. In in hindsight, when I look at all the things that could have contributed to my mom's illness, um, I'm also thinking, well, she was, she was the person that, um, was the, the fixer upper for everything in the house. And she loved mm. her for antique furniture and how many toxins did yeah. she breathe in when she was scraping lead paint and, you know, we live in an old house and all those things, all yeah. those things. Oh, I um, think about that with my grandparents, you know we'll never know what their risk factors were, but I mean, my grandfather loved Roundup. (laughs) I mean, he worked in the tobacco fields in North Carolina Mm -hmm. and then later in life when he was retired, I mean, he, he grew garden in our, in, in their backyard. But I mean, I think they grew amazing tomatoes and everything else, but they also sprayed, I mean, gallons of, of Roundup. And they lived in a house that had, you know, a crawl space that probably was full of mold, you know, we'll never know what, what was actually going on with them. Oh, and they ate sugar and like it was their jobs. And you, you know, well, the things that we wish we knew back then, um, it's too bad, but yeah. the, the chance is all there to do it. Right. Um, right. you, you also reminded me our, our stories are crazy similar because I think we, we figured this out when we first talked, um, I also was almost diagnosed with MS, although I asked the doctor, like, what are you going to do if, you know, if, if I let you do the spinal tap, what changes for me? And he's like, oh, nothing really. We just, you know, now we can note it in your, in your record and start putting you on auto, you know, on a immune suppressants. It's like, no, thanks. So I've never been diagnosed. So it doesn't really matter to me. Right. But right. the path, uh, you know, the the signs are there, <laughs> right? But you're doing all the things that you would do to optimize your health, whether you had MS or not. So right, exactly. It, so I saw no benefit in putting that, planting that seed in my head. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So thank you for, for all that you've shared. Um, when you're working with a client, whether they've come to you for, for brain health specifically, or just optimizing health in general, um, what areas do you feel make the most impact for your client? Like where, where do you start? That's a good question. You know, if I were doing, you know, a group class, I certainly have a sequence, but I think the most important place to start with any client is just, it's, it's different. It's different with each one. Um, I've got, so I think the place to start is to really get to know them and what they're experiencing, how long they've been experiencing it. Why do they, why are they addressing it? Because uh, you know, to give you an example, I had a client that I started with in November and he didn't come to me for brain health. We had been working together for over a month before he told me his mom had Alzheimer's. Uh, when he came to me, he said, I, I want to lose weight and I want to be around for my grandkids. He had a new granddaughter who was, uh, you know, a couple weeks old. And, you know, had I started with him talking about, you know, well, like we're trained as coaches to talk about, you know, What's your meaning and purpose that's making, that's going to help you get through hard dietary and lifestyle changes? I would have lost him. Um, what we did was we got, we focused on what was important to him at the time, which was losing, you know, 20, 25 pounds. And it was, you know, it wasn't deep work at the beginning. It was just help, helping him get some momentum and seeing some results and feel better and just, gain the confidence that he was capable of getting, you know, getting on track and, and looking forward to a longer life. Cause he really thought he was going to die. He was, um, you know, he had, he had, he had just had a number of really serious health uh, concerns and scares and he was afraid of dying. And when he started to see some results, I think we finished our entire first three months of working together before we ever talked about mindset. And I asked, I remember we, I sat in his office and he said, okay, so now what? And I said, well, now we get to get started. And you know, now we get to talk about what you want with the rest of your life. And he, I don't know if he'll ever hear this or see this, but he'll recognize himself because he said, he sat there and he goes, oh, <laughs> I get it now. And, um, you know, He's he's very funny. Uh, he's funny, but he he'll come back and tell me now that he's been out at a party or he'll be in all these you know situations where people don't think and act like he does, um, you know. And they'll be passing the desserts or passing you know the the free flowing liquor at ten o'clock at night or the cigars and all this stuff. And he'll say he'll say, Jess, I thought about it and I realized that does not align with my vision. And it's just. <laughs> so heartwarming to see when you let the client really decide what's important that they get there and then it's sustainable. Um, but you know, the, to, to answer your question, if it were just my mechanical, I love to start with sleep and diet. Those are, those two are some of the easiest things to address because they're very tangible and they make a really big difference. And without a good diet and without good sleep where your brain gets into that, that deep NREM where it can clean up, you know, your, your risk remains very high. So those are the two kind of areas that I start with, you know, in, in a group class or in, with a client that just needs some early wins. Um, and then, and then we definitely talk about the mindset when they're ready. That's awesome. And every person is different. And yeah. some people come to you because they've done a lot of work on their own and yes. they're ready to jump in. Like, yeah. tell me what to do. I have Ooh. already have, am of the mindset that I am ready to roll. Yes. And sometimes you have to wait on it, just like you said. Yeah. And you. yeah, you just, I think that's part of the, the art of coaching, right? Like we're not teachers because if we were teachers, we would just sit down and teach what, uh, you know, what the right or what a healthy, you know, blood sugar or control is, or we teach what good sleep habits are. But if it were that easy, then this, our jobs would be 
you know, our jobs would be very easier. We could just give everyone a book, but you have to, what's rewarding and challenging is getting in to their minds and then helping them get into their minds and then back out at the end. It's fun. Do you feel like you're, you're battling with the, the public kind of knowledge, the the public belief systems of what is possible? Yes. Come on. Um, Yeah. Yes. And you know, I, I would be lying if I said that every client that I've had has been successful. Um, I know we've both had this experience where, you know, you, you see someone that has come to you, you know, you can help them. You know, that, you you know, you, you see the potential, you see where you can go, you see what, you know, where the challenges are and you, you just, it's painful because you know exactly what's, maybe not exactly, but you have a really, really good idea of what would help them feel amazing, lose the weight, clear the brain fog, prevent these diseases, you know, create health. But they are also being told by their neurologist, by their family doctor, by their cardiologist, by their gynecologist, that this is normal. This is normal aging. Um, There's nothing you can do about it. This is just what happens when you get older. you know, whether it's the women as we go through menopause, you know, having, you know, these horrible menopause symptoms that we have almost been conditioned to just accept as the inevitable and the rite of passage. But we know that, you know, the steep drop off of those trophic factors really impacts our brain health long term. And we're just conditioned to accept it. I tend to think that if men went through menopause, like we would have like the defense budget would be dedicated to, (laughs) um, but that's just me. Uh, but yes. And then, and then I have, I've had family members, uh, as I know you have, you know, tell clients that this is, this is nonsense, that it's not going to work. It's, it's, you know, there are dozens of different reasons why, uh, we, we, we know as though it's fact that there's nothing that can be done. Therefore, this is snake oil. I hear that all the time. And I keep thinking, what's actually snake oil? The, you know, billion dollars of drug research that's gone into absolutely nothing that's useful or a very challenging diet and lifestyle modification that is not a one and done. It's a life a lifelong commitment that we do have data to support. We do see improvement. Not only do we not just barely slow the decline as like aducanumab and all these other MABs have claimed to do by imperceptible amounts, by the way, at billions of dollars of cost, but we actually have seen people go from a zero on the MOCA scale. You know, cognitive function is completely gone quality of life is gone. You know, they're wheelchair bound, they're nonverbal. We've seen them, seen them go into the tens and teens on this and, you know, regain some autonomy, regain some function, regain some, some cognitive capacity. And then when you walk that back and you get a hold of someone like my mom, who just wasn't herself and was brave enough to raise her hand and say like, I need help. Like something isn't right. She's completely fine now. She scores 30 out of 30. On, on the MOCA. She lives independently. She drives. She takes care of my daughter. She's great. And she's, you know, this was, uh, this was six years ago. No, this was longer. This was, wow, no, was six years ago. And, um, you know, she got started now, now knowing what you and I both know and what this community knows, she got started late during full-blown Alzheimer's for all intents and purposes. And she's still okay. So what, you know, what happens when, we start to to normalize talking about brain changes and destigmatize it so that it's not shameful to say my brain's not working or I have brain fog in our 40s and get ahead of the curve even further. Um, so, you know, I think that that just the, the, the narrative that this is a genetic sentence, that there's nothing that can be done, that you just, you know, hold on a little longer and there'll be a miracle drug that's the hardest thing. And, you know, part of why I do what I do is to 
chip away at that that narrative because it's it's in my opinion the most damaging single most damaging factor to our ability to reverse this trend at a at a at a national level or at a worldwide level is this just destructive and false belief that it's just it's a it's a genetic sentence and it's there's nothing you can do um you know i i do tell people i don't i don't win all of them and i have some clients that just aren't going to go down that path with me uh but i try to tell them like you know if you're getting this feedback from family and friends you know one you have to decide what's important to you but the other thing is let's do a cost benefit analysis at a really basic level the cost of you being wrong is is that you're going to sit there and you're going to wait for a miracle drug that probably will never happen because if if we actually pay attention and understand what's happening with alzheimers there's no way one drug could ever do that could fix that so we can sit around and wait and not change anything and i'd say you have about a 100% chance of continuing to decline or you can do the things that make sense from a science as you know a scientific research perspective but also just general healthy living you can do all those things you can you know focus on your sleep focus on your stress levels detox your your diet and lifestyle you can um you know get better get more exercise increase your your bdnf and engage in your community and brain train and you know what you may still get dementia but like you said at the beginning maybe you get it at 90 instead but you know what is almost 100% guarantee is that up until 90 you're going to feel a lot better you're not going to spend 75 to 90 hobbling around on you know on uncomfortable joints with your brain slowly declining yeah you may still get dementia but you're going to enjoy a whole lot more of your life up till that point you're going to have a better quality of life you're going to have improved metabolic um you know, metabolic profile, you're just, life is going to be better. If I'm wrong, you still win. You know, if, and and I don't mean me personally, I mean like this approach, Mm -hmm. like if, if this doesn't work for you, you're still going to feel a lot better, probably live longer and do it more independently and happily than you would have if you had just sat around and waited for a drug. So I try to get, I try to put it in perspective that way. Yeah. So true. And I, I didn't know the timeline prior to this conversation with your mom. So that's such amazing news that she's 30 out of 30 on the MOCA. So for those that, that don't know, if she received a diagnosis of mild cognitive impairment, she was below a 27. Mm-hmm. So she was 20. I don't know if you have, she was 25. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there was some objective measures that they could see on a test that there was some decline. And six years later, after detoxing from mold, what else is she doing in her lifestyle? Oh, we do it all. Do um, it all. We do it yeah. all. So no grains, no sugar. I know this is where I lose everybody, but it's <laughs> it's a it's a it's a ketogenic diet. Um, yeah. you know, it doesn't mean that you can never cheat. I mean, you you can, you can you can go off the rails and then get it, you know, come back. It just depends on how advanced you are and how serious you want to be about it. But, you know, at, at my age, like I allow myself some wiggle room. Mom does too. Mom will have dessert every once in a while and it's okay. Uh, but she has a pretty strict diet. We, you know, we eat as clean as possible. You know, we don't do conventional anything, um, which I realize like can be expensive, but there are ways, you know, this is where a coach comes in handy because we've, we know a lot of the like tips and tricks for for how to eat and live clean without breaking the bank. Um, so mom, you know, she she spends time every day uh, brain training. She's really, really, really good about that. She spends time on brain HQ. She does. Uh, she does. She doesn't. She's never really liked to be kind of the traditional med- meditator, but she'll use. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with brain tap. She'll use brain tap. Uh, I, I have two of those and I gave her one and she'll do like the muse headset 
you know, to kind of help with, help with that. So she spends a lot of time there. She works out every day. She's, we have a power plate, so you don't have to love being sweaty for hours and spend hours in the gym. You know, you can, I, I love, I'm a big Dave Asprey, you know, fan. And I, I like, you know, doing things smarter rather than harder and longer. So I will do my short workouts on a power plate and try to really optimize the time I'm spending, can, you know, doing brain health because it shouldn't be a full-time job. Yes, it is a total lifestyle change, but you lose people when you make it really expensive and a full-time job. And I've, I've had clients say, you know, I'll, I'll start talking to them about something I'm trying. And they're like, listen, like, that's great for you. But that's why I hired you. Cause I don't want to do that every day. Like, I don't want to have to spend all this time learning about dozens of different, you know, toys and trinkets that, you know, and techniques is he said, just boil it down for me and tell me what I need to do. So, um, you know, mom, mom sleeps a lot better. Uh, we used to, we used to, we both have had issues sleeping. Uh, but you know, we've, we've kind of optimized that and she moved, uh, she moved to be closer to me here in Texas. And she now lives in a, a building of, of active seniors that, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of like having that built in community. So she's not isolated she's, you know, she's close to family. So she's got her, you know, she's got meaning and purpose and it really is. It's not one thing. You know, lots of people, like you said, are like blueberries. I heard blueberries will solve all my problems. And sadly yeah. they won't. Um, it's everything. So it's, it's just, it's addressing all of the factors and kind of finding a level that, that you can, you can handle. And I, yeah. I said I had it on sleep mode, but that means my daughter is at the dentist and is desperate for communication. So <laughs> I'm going to have to call her back. Uh, okay. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, um, that's the, you know, that's just, that's the other thing is um, a lot of people still, even if they're open to the functional approach, they still want like, what's the, what's that thing I need to do? And the story, you know, the reality is that there's not that thing you need to do. That's all the things, <laughs> um, all the but, things. but that's why working with a coach is really helpful because you, you know, you, it's not, it wouldn't work if I just said, well, here's how you need to live. And here's your daily schedule. And here's what you should go buy at the grocery store. Cause that'll last for like two days tops. And then people will go back to exactly like the path of least resistance when you hire a coach and they really spend the time to get to know your lifestyle and your preferences and your strengths and weaknesses, then the coach can really help build a, you know, build a, build a lifestyle and a diet plan that um, really fits with who they are already. And it's not as steep of a climb. It's not as overwhelming. Right. Baby steps, baby yeah. steps will work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And you have to do what's just right for you at that moment in time. Yeah. Um, I have to ask a question about the power plate because I don't know what that is. Oh, I love it. Um, so the power plate is, you know, in this <laughs> surprise, surprise, uh, it was, it was designed by Tony Molina, who was a force recon Marine. Um, so like the Marines Navy SEALs. So even crazier, they're, they're not as well known, but they're, they're all completely nuts in a great way. Um, <laughs> so he's just he's, he's such a hardcore guy and such a biohacker. And he's like, really talks about how, you know, like we're all in this like human zoo and, you know, we've lost touch with the ground. Like we don't do that, like ion transfer. We don't move our bodies. We're just, we're in this like kind of Wally kind of like, you know, path to <laughs> just floating through and getting fatter and fatter. So he, uh, he designed the power plate, which is a whole body vibration platform and it moves, uh, it moves, I think it's 30 to 50 times a second, um, in three different planes. So up, down, left, right, and like kind of whatever the third dimension is, but it, it, it is essentially creating that, you know, kind of that muscle activation, not, I'm not saying like you stand on it and you're going to get huge quads, but it's creating that muscle activation, which helps with blood flow, oxygenation of the tissues. Uh, it's because of the, the, the vibration, it's like a, a micro impact 
So for women, as you start to age and lose some of that bone density, it is actually rebuilding the bone density. But what I love about it for, for cognitive health is that it's such a great uh, oxygenator. You know, it, you really are, you're going to burn through, uh, burn through those like glucose stores, those glycogen stores faster than you would from just doing the exact same exercise on the floor. So, you I mean, I don't, I don't have time to do an hour in the gym. So I'll do, you know, 15 to 20 minutes on the power plate. And I'll look at my, like, I'll look at my, my aura ring, you know, feedback and the amount of, um, you know, the calories that I've expended, the, just the, that lim- you can't measure exactly, but it, it helps with like the lymphatic drainage. So it can help mm-hmm. with detox. And it really does train those stabilizer muscles, which become more and more important as you get older, that stability and, and anything you can do to, to create, you know, essentially a, a challenge to your muscles and to your brain to stabilize and to, to activate from, from head to toe, really, um, all all your systems. So I love it. I've been, I've been doing it for about, yeah maybe nine or 10 months now. And, and I love it. It's a lot of fun. Well, you're, you're doing a hit workout on a plate that's vibrating. Yes. Okay, cool. I you get can it do now. like a strength workout too. Yeah. You can do whatever you want. I mean, it's kind of hard to hop like left to right on it, but you can turn and kind of figure it out. That's I modify most things to it, but that's okay. also because I don't have, I'm not going to go to a gym. Yeah. It's the garage, done- nothing. Something similar to that, Planet Fitness had something for their black card members where you go into this upright tube and the door closes and the the floor vibrates. Oh, that's... that's I felt like somebody was watching. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. I was very uncomfortable. I was like, because uh, you go in there with they, with no clothes as well. Oh, so, that's I, I think there was some red light therapy. It, it was red light therapy at the same time. Oh, okay. So, um, I was going to say, it's kind of funny that you would, they would just want to like vibrate your whole body naked. (laughs) I didn't like that. I didn't like that at all. I'm not sure how (laughs) I feel about that. Like I like a little support when that's happening. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, but I get the red light. I mean, I I don't have it up right now because it's in the floor, but I have one of those, um, Trism, like the three red light, the, the amber, the red, the deep red, and the near infrared like panels that I just put up at my desk. And I love all that stuff. It's great for great for energy and mitochondrial health. Yeah. Well, we got into so many more things than I expected. It's so exciting that I love how a conversation goes. So is there anything else that you want to share before we share how people can find you and get in touch with you? What did we what did we leave out that is important? Oh, um... I don't know. Um, I guess, I guess one of the things that I, I has come that I've just heard, maybe this is beating the dead horse, but um, one of the things that just has been part of the conversation recently, if you've been, you know, if you follow some of these thought leaders, um, you know, Mark Hyman talks a lot about this and he's like, you know, aging is a disease. If we, if we start to think of aging as a disease and we start to pay attention to what is actually contributing to it. You know, whether your concern is your heart or your brain or your joints or whatever it is, when you start to, to pay attention to it as, as its own condition, as its own pathology, you know, he's, he talks about the, the hallmarks of aging. I think at one point there were nine. Now they're, you know, depending on who you ask, they're like 10 or 12 or 13. (laughs) Um, and when you, when you dial down into what those are, what you realize is that, they're one, they're, they're all related. It's all the same thing. The same modifications improve almost all of them. And we really can look at it as a disease. It's optional. Um, yes, every, we're all going to get older. We're all going to get gray hair at some point. We're all going to get wrinkles and slow down. But the difference is that rather than doing it in our fifties and sixties, we're going to do it in our in our nineties and we're going to live past a hundred because we're conscious of, you know, of what's really contributing to it. And when you can understand it at that level, there are infinite 
ways, maybe bend into a couple key areas, but there are so many different ways that we can look at individual biomarkers and optimize them to really make this decline that we've always just accepted as normal, truly optional, um, and delay it as long as possible. I mean, it's I'm, nobody's saying that we're, we're never going get, to get old and die, but there's no reason that those of us who are you know, middle-aged today won't live past 100 and that it won't be miserable. You, know, you ask someone who's 75 right now if they want to live to 100, and most will say no, because they're already in pain. But if we go upstream and we're looking at like our generation, there's no reason that, that we can't make changes now so that we do live to a hundred, but it's enjoyable. And, you know, on the, the, the day that we die, we probably like saw our families and laughed and enjoyed life and then just kind of coast off into the sunset. There's no reason that we have to be sick for 10 years before we die, or we have to die of cancer or heart attacks or strokes or, you know, Alzheimer's. There, you know, it, it can just be a really natural part of life and, and that passing doesn't have to be so tragic. Yeah, so. exactly. Um, I wanted to just highlight the, your, the discussion about mold because it, it came up today and I was unaware prior to um, our conversation today that it was going to come up. And I just had a conversation on a recent podcast with somebody mm -hmm. else who um, recovered from what she sees as a misdiagnosis of Alzheimer's because mm -hmm. once she cleared the mold and treated the Lyme cognitively, she was functional and well again. Mm -hmm. um, I, but I want to help people get more information there because sometimes it can be overwhelming. Like, wait, what mold? Well, yeah. I don't have mold. Mm -hmm. So listen to the podcast with Brian Carr from We Inspect because he gets into um, all the places that mold can hide and why it's important because it, it's kind of, I feel like it's a bigger concern than we realize. And once we start digging into people with decline, you know, digging into their background, it's like, it might come up. It rarely comes up in the first conversation. It comes up like three months later. And doctors don't ask about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they also don't, you know, when you go to your neurologist, they don't ask you what you had for breakfast unless it's in a memory test. So, but you're right. It's not something that's part of, you know, our, our initial thought process. Yeah. I mean, it is for people like you and me, but, you know, a lot of people will have these debilitating symptoms. And one of the, one of the flags that you need to really look into mold is if you can't figure it out, <laughs> like if, if you're just stumped. That's when you really need to go look for mold. I think I'm sure Brian Brian's conversation was. I, I like to listen to it. He's great. Um, He's great. Yeah. But it's true. Like it's this thing where people just you know generally describe it as you know well your brain's not working. <laughs> you know must be dementia, which is this umbrella term that is non-specific and actually means dozens of things. It it is Bredesen says it's brain not working syndrome, which <laughs> can be from a million different things or combination of things. And when you fix those things, you patch the holes in the roof, it stops leaking. It starts working again. And, and you're right. People don't think about mold, but it's so common. I think I heard, I don't know what Brian, if Brian had a, a statistic on it, but I mean, it, it is estimated that it affects like 50% of the population at this point because of corporate and residential water damage. It's just, it's crazy. And this can happen at work. I was, you know, before I stopped working and I won't point any fingers, but I lived, I lived, I worked in a building that had known black mold. I mean, it was everywhere and it was not being addressed. Oh, it had known black known. mold. Known, yes. Ah. Like, like vis visible and tested for yeah. extremely high levels of black mold. And it was not until someone basically called the local San Antonio paper and blasted them that they did anything about it. And even then, as we know, the what you do about it can be just as bad as, as the mold itself because you stir up all those toxins and they start protecting themselves and releasing more spores. So unless you have you, your remediators really know what they're doing, it can make the problem worse. 
So that's exactly what happened where I used to work. They came in and like blew air around and like replaced some drywall. And shockingly, none of us got better. We all felt terrible. And we had this like brain fog and these fatigue and irritability and just felt like crap. And then you go home and you're like, hmm, I have energy back. And thankfully I wasn't there for 30 years, but there are people that live in a home for their whole lives and they're, they're poisoning themselves and they don't realize it. Right. And in case someone hears that and says, well, I I don't feel bad. Also know that it doesn't affect everyone the same way. Yes. So you could have two people in the same scenario, same environment. One person feels bad. One person doesn't. So, yeah. um, And I'm sure you've read um, Neil Nathan's book or you've heard him talk and he's like, you know, these are the people that have been called hypochondriacs have been all crazy. They're really dismissed because conventional medicine doesn't know what to do with them. They don't, they don't have this level of, of training or awareness. And then these are the people that live in the house with other people who are perfectly fine. And this is what happened to my mom. She was in a, her, she was recently married, moved into her, her new husband's house and immediately became really, really sick. And, and he's, and he was frustrated because he's like, I'm fine. This is clearly in your head. And that is one of the most common experiences of people with this, this type three toxic Alzheimer's is they stay quiet because the other people in their house are perfectly fine and they start to believe they're crazy. And it's not until you meet a practitioner like Neil Nathan or anyone trained by him or shoemaker, you know, Bredesen you know, a Bredesen trained person who can say, no, that's absolutely normal. Like we, we have different genes that respond to toxins differently. And, you know, my mom is one of the, I think it's like 25 to 30% with the genetic predisposition for really poor detox (laughs) as well. So it, it it means that she's going to react differently to mold than her ex-husband and who's now ex. So shockingly, um, but yeah, it's, you know, it very true. So if, yeah, if you're in a house with somebody else, it's totally fine. Like you're not crazy still. It's very possible. Yeah. Yeah. Something I, I want to highlight is <clears throat> community and, and stigma. So thank you for you know, being, being on a soapbox with me today, trying to break down the stigma so that hopefully people feel comfortable to come out and say, I got a little brain fog and I am concerned about it. Or, um, I have, you know, subjective cognitive decline, meaning it, you keep it in your head. Like you're trying to hide it. Like, is anybody else noticing that something is off, but nobody is noticing it yet. That's, that's your body telling you it's time to, it's time to do something. Yes. Don't be afraid of the stigma. Come call Jessica or I, or track down another Bredesen trained yeah. coach because there are things you can do now. And um, go ahead. No, that's, that's such a good point though, because I think people are, this is that, this is that difference between us reversing the trend and not is that when we, if you, if you can raise your hand early, the, likelihood that you can turn it around completely and avoid it completely is I think Bredesen says it's it's almost a hundred percent. Um, you know, if you wait and you keep waiting and you keep waiting, yes, there's still stuff that you can do, but it gets harder. Um and this sorry, there was one more thing I wanted to mention because we have all these like cute names for cognitive decline and it starts early with women, you know, when it really is innocuous, which is the baby brain. Right. Like, so when we have our kids or we're pregnant or especially when we're new moms, we call it baby brain and it's, it's a temporary thing. It's a, you know, it makes sense biologically that like, you know, we're, we're tuned to forget everything else except what's happening with our, with our infants. But, you know, so we call it something cute and we excuse it and we move on. And that does usually resolve, you know, when our kids get a little bit bigger, but then because we've already got that mindset when it happens as we go into perimenopause and menopause, you know, the change brain and all the like hormones and the, you know, all, all that, we just go, eh, we just stay quiet. Cause you know, we're conditioned that menopause is just, it's, it is what it is and there's nothing you can do. So don't complain about that. Laugh about your brain changes. 
And then a few years later, we, we start calling them senior moments. And we think that's cute too. And it, and it's not cute. Like even my dad will say like, ah, oh, you know, it's just part of getting older. And, um, and I just want to continue to put it out there that it's not part of getting older. So like, why not raise your hand? Because if we're all being honest, we are all having some of these, if we're paying attention and we're all being honest, we start raising our hands in our forties, I think. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's, I mean, there's nothing wrong with raising your hand because when you do that, then, you know, you can, you can, you can get ahead of it. I mean, when, when our, we get chest pains or we get arthritis or we get, you know, anything else, we raise our hands and we go get help. But Dr. Bredesen made the word cognoscopy famous. But the reason we don't do that, I think, is because one, we don't think that we can do anything about it, but we also don't have any pain receptors in our brain. So doesn't, our brains don't hurt. So the only signal you're going to get is that it's not working the way it used to. And that's, that's that arthritic joint. That's, you know, that's the, that's the thing that isn't right. And, and it's, if we can convince people that we all kind of share a risk and that there's something you can do, then maybe, maybe we can avoid waiting till it's too late. Awesome. So well said. And one of the things that has helped your mom, um, so I want to, circle back to the community yeah. is that she's now in a healthy community. And, and though your client who, um, you know, taking the dessert or smoking a cigar or drinking a 10 o'clock cocktail is, is not in his vision. And he was able to, you know, push it aside. That's really hard for most people. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, how do we expand the community where, you can go with somebody with a group of people and be supported because you're all kind of on the same track, same yeah. mindset. I mean, that's, that's where a coach comes in, right? Like you, you kind of have to role play those situations because, you know, I, I guess there are a couple of different ways that I approach this with clients and, you know, I'll give you an example of a wedding. Um, my client early on was headed to a wedding and he's like, you know, I've never met a suite. I didn't like, <laughs> you know, there's going to be a champagne toast and, you know, I'm going to, you know, we're going to be smoking cigars, drinking champagne and who knows what else. And we're going to have wedding cake and all this stuff. And like, what do I do? And I don't want to fall off the wagon. Um, and that goes for any event. You know, a lot of my clients are really successful people. They go to a lot of fundraisers and benefits where, you know, food and wine and everything is top notch. Um, and they enjoy, they should enjoy life, but I give them a couple different approaches. You can either have like the buddy system, which I think is really helpful. If you've got a spouse or a good friend, that's the type that will call you out, not the type that will enable you. <laughs> and you, you know, have a buddy that's like, listen, I'm not, I'm not eating bread tonight. I'm not eating the dessert. I'm not drinking. Um, often when you make it public, even if it's just to one person, you almost, you feel a little bit like a cheater if, if you've been, or, you know, stuffing your face with cake five minutes later. So it can be, that can be enough for some people, um, raising the awkwardness scale a little bit. The next, the next level is when you sit down at that table with, you know, seven other strangers, you can say like, I'm on a weird diet. I don't eat, I don't eat sugar and I don't eat gluten. And then if you then reach for the rolls, you look like a, you look kind of dumb. So it's a, it's kind of an awkward way, but I think honestly, in this biohacking world and this functional medicine world, you have to get really comfortable with not being like everyone else. And that takes some time. Um, my client likes to employ the, the 15 second pause. Um, it's almost like the reverse of the Mel Robbins five second decision. He's like, if I'm, if I'm confronted with an impulse decision, you know, an order of tray or a glass of champagne, I'll take it. But he said, what I've learned to do is always say, not right now. Um, I say maybe in a minute and what, and that gives him enough of a cognitive pause for him to go, no, like I'm going to make a better decision. It, it just takes, it slows down the decision point for the frontal lobe, I think, to catch up and make a better decision. <laughs> um, and then, you know, there are, there, there's also the, you have to kind of get people to remember, you know, so 10 years from now when the couple who got married, you know, or have been married for 10 years and they're looking at their wedding album. Are they going to remember that you drank sparkling water instead of champagne? 
or you didn't eat the cake, are they going to remember that you were there? And that's, that's the ultimate lesson is, you know, maybe at the end of the day, none of those tricks and techniques and awkward moments are going to do it for you. But you have to remember that people remember whether you showed up for them. Most of them don't care if you drank champagne. And if they do, then maybe you need a new community. And, and I think that's been, that's been more impactful than any of my little like games that I, I, you know, I, I throw out there, you know, people will remember if you showed up and, you know, your influence isn't more or less because you said yes to foods that aren't working for you, that aren't, aren't supporting your health. So that's, that's kind of a, that's how I like to approach it. And it, and it works for some, it doesn't work for others, but. Right. You know. Yeah. I just want to encourage people to, to look for the community that's, that's out there that will support them. I, when I first started doing yoga training and went to a conference and they had gluten-free options, I was like, oh, I don't, I don't have to talk to somebody special about this. Yeah. It's already in front of me. And so I knew whenever I went to a yoga conference, I was going to have food to eat. Yeah. And now I'm hosting retreats with, with the same, in, with the same idea, you know, people can go and we're going to have a, a ketogenic diet and we're going to have options for um, all the healthy things. And you, those communities are around and, and they're, if, getting if they're not local, they're virtual. Yeah. And they're going to yeah. start to touch, I hope. Yes. I, and I think that's a, an important part of what, why we're having this conversation and why you do what you do and why I do what I'm, I do is that, you know, it, we may be kind of the pointy end of the spear right now, or kind of alone in our, <laughs> not alone, but it's a small group, mm-hmm. but I would bet the farm that, you know, even three years from now that we both have communities around us that are so grateful for a space where they don't have to explain themselves and where, you know, there, there is that support and there are other like-minded people. And, you know, even in a place that's famous for, for barbecue and, and tacos here in San Antonio, I see, I see the real desire from all my clients and people that they know to like, can we have, can we build a community here where it's a safe place where, you know, you know, no one's going to give you a hard time for, for any of these lifestyle choices. In fact, just the opposite. It's a support. And it, I think it does need to get easier for people to eat this way. Um, it, it is hard. I was just at the biohacking conference in Orlando and I went with a friend of mine, another health coach, and we just couldn't get over. It's like every morning we, we got mold-free coffee with minerals in it and like the butter added. So our brains worked. And then we had a grain-free, dairy-free, wild-caught or, you know, grass fed lunch. And it was incredible. It was amazing. Like we didn't have to sit there and, you know, like you said, you know, can I, get this sauce? can I not No, like no rice, no potatoes, no, you know, can I get something else? Or, <laughs> you know, is this organic? Um, you know, and you feel kind of like a jerk being that picky, but when you find your people, you, you find your people and yeah. It's just, it is the new normal and we just need to expand those circles a little bit. Yeah. And I'm just going to jump on, you said bet the farm and it reminded me the farmer's market. Yes. I always find my people at the farmer's market. I can talk forever to the regenerative farmer and the organic farmer. I'm like, yes, they exist in every, in every community. They They do. do. And when I first got to Texas, I thought there was no one here um, that cares about organic food or regenerative agriculture. So I went to the farmer's market and I found, I found a guy, um, his name is Lee. He's like Southwest Texas farms. And we are still friends to this day. I, you know, the, you know, I, I follow him everywhere. I will not buy beef from anywhere else. He has chickens. They, you know, his pasture raised eggs and he grows tomatoes with no pesticides. And, you know, he knows, (laughs) he knows that if I'm coming to the market that day, he basically sets aside like half of what he brought and I just fill up the freezer. Um, but he's become a friend because he's part of this community. And, um, you know, we joked last week because, uh, I, the farmer's market didn't happen last week, but I needed, uh, I needed, needed beef. So 
he uh his his wife and kids are in Australia and he's like I'm just stuck at the farm with the cows like I'll drive into San Antonio so we did like a parking lot beef exchange it was it was really fun um because like the community has those same values and they like, they appreciate the consumers who care and and then I appreciate that he does what he does but I also feel like I have like he's you know we have this community and we have different we have different pieces of this pie but together like he's he's spreading the word about you know eating in a way that's good for the animals good for us good for the environment and those circles are starting to intersect with you know my clients who would have never done anything except buy what's on sale are now seeking him out and you know we it starts with one or two people and it just and it just grows and it's it's just so fun and it is my community um, you know, it, 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 you don't, it doesn't just exist. You have to build it. So. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Jessica, how can people find you? Well, I have, I have a website, although I'll be honest, um, just send me an email, <laughs> Jessica, <laughs> Jessica at Encode Wellness or info at Encode Wellness. Um, I'm also changing my name, but it hasn't happened yet. So if you go to that website and it looks different, it's just still me, I'll still have my picture. Um, and the reason is that I started, I named it ENCODE because I wanted to do a take on RECODE, which was end cognitive decline. But I realized that mm. there's a lot more to this than just the brain. You know, I'm really starting to, to think about how we, you know, how we live and how we approach aging and how we approach all the systems. So I wanted to make it more inclusive. So my new name is Longevity Architects. And... Mm that will be the website will eventually point in that direction. So if you go there and it says longevity architects, it's still me. Um, cool. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So yeah. see me email. or find me yeah. on Instagram brain coach, Jess, that still says brain, but that may change one day too. But for now it's brain coach, Jess. <laughs> Jess, thank you for your time and your, your wisdom and your, your heart centered caring today. I really appreciate you. Well, Laurel, thank you for having me and for yeah, being being another another like-minded soul that, you know, it gives me energy to meet more people that are that are like-minded and are doing the same good work. Um it's energizing. So, it's been fun. Thanks for having me.